Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Great sex matters and you deserve it. Are you looking to ignite your love life by applying mindfulness during sex? Perhaps you need to drop back down into your body and get out of your head to become that embodied woman you've always wanted to be and experience deeper intimacy with your partner. Well, on today's show, we're going to be exploring how to incorporate yoga into your relationship for a more passionate and connected experience with yourself and, of course, your partner. And we're so excited to introduce our guest today. Dr. Kat Meyer is a licensed sex and relationship therapist, a yoga instructor, and a Reiki practitioner dedicated to sexuality. She's the host of Eat, Play, Sex podcast and the founder of sexloveyoga.com, an online platform for education and programs on relationships, sexuality, and embodiment. Wow, she sounds just like what we talk about. We love talking about sex and sexuality. It's going to be a great show. Kat, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you for uh, putting some time aside. And we're so looking forward to having an amazing discussion with you today. Oh, for you, anything. Ooh, <laughs> oh, I, I like, like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so good this morning. I'm really excited to be with you all and just sitting here a little buzzing with excitement. Yay. We love all the different topics that you cover in your website, on your blogs, your podcasts, everything from conscientious relationships to nutrition to yoga. You discuss a whole range of aspects of living sexy. Actually, you're tagline sex matters is very similar to ours great sex matters we love those two <laughs> hashtags that. yeah yeah we actually do a workshop called great sex matters because great sex does matter and we'll in our fourth section of the show we, we will get into talking about how important great sex is in relationships but let's start by talking about how you got to this place in your career a bit of background and um information about what you do yeah what you do Oh, my God, I'd love to talk a lot about myself because most of the time it's me listening to people. (laughs) (laughs) I I am, uh, like you gave that beautiful introduction of myself, Um, I'm a licensed sex and relationship therapist, and I specialize in yoga and um, sexual health and relationships of all types. So alternative styles of relationships, how to design your own relationship, that kind of thing. And I got into this field because growing up really struggling with my own ability to connect, both within myself and then with others, experiencing my own sexual trauma growing up. So really not wanting to be in my body 
because it's so it was so uncomfortable to be in my body. And then watching other people connect and form relationships and being like, I don't know how people do that. Um, so I got into yoga was the very first experience that I had of really getting into my body. And it, it's so funny when I ask people that. Um, and when I mention about being in your body and people are like, well, of course I'm in my body. What are you talking about? My body's right here. But <laughs> most of us are spending a lot of our times in our head or we are anxious or we may have so many things happening that that we lose touch of what it feels like to be in this this physical um, vessel that we have that we walk around in so yoga was this first thing that helped me to ground into it and I realized oh my god I can feel differently than how I have been And then that led to me doing research and then going into grad school for psychology to understand the systems approach. So how do relationships form and families form and uh, how do we communicate within all of that? And so then bringing all of these things together, including the energetic practice that I do and understanding that healing comes from many different aspects and there's layers upon layers that we can remove or shift in order to have lasting change. And now um, I think I read that you're studying for another sort of degree. Yes. uh, So I've been studying sex therapy for years, um, but working on the certification for the ASECT, which is the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors and Therapists. I've trained since I was, gosh, Um, I think I was 23 when I started working on it. When I started my grad degree, I was like, I'm going to be a sex therapist. I want to do this. And I started taking, you know, all these courses since then. (laughs) Beautiful. No, that's wonderful. It's so good. And, you know, coming from, I guess, an actual experience of your own and which was driving your whole education process and the, the need and the want and need to help others is amazing. And I saw on your website that you talk about creating space. So now I'm understanding where that's coming from. So can you explain Mm. what that means? Yes. So to create space, I think in order for us to change, we have to feel like we have space to be able to navigate and do and move and, and change. If we are contracted in the body or if we're contracted in our mind, say we have these rigid boundaries of what we believe about ourselves, then we don't feel that we can move within it. So to create space means it is a multidimensional um, aspect. So can we mentally release the old belief systems that have been holding us back from changing into this person that we want to become creating space physically in yoga we open the body we stretch we breathe we literally make space in the body which helps us to be able to just melt into this form that we want to be in um, instead of being tight and and activated and stressed all the time Um, emotionally can we clear out the past traumas can we clear out any distressing events that might be influencing how we're seeing the world today and then even creating space in our lifestyle (laughs) i mean if you look at my calendar it's pretty full but i always make space for time for me um, whether that's space to meditate or space to play or space to you know drop in with what i need if we are constantly on the go, 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 then we don't have space for ourselves. We don't have space for our relationships, space for our sex life. And that's just not 
conducive for a healthy life. You know, wow. that's, that's such a great point, and we talk about it all the time, where um, couples so often get so tied up in family and work that they forget to have that balance with relationships and sex as well. Um, why don't you just take a minute to talk about how you talk to people or, or express how couples need to find that time, carve out that time, whether it be daily or weekly, to have that proper balance? Well, I talk to them about this multidimensional, this holistic viewpoint. So they come to me and they're like, we're not having sex. I don't want sex. I don't want, you know, I I just don't feel sexy. The very first thing I have them look at is their lifestyle. Because if they are constantly on the go, and they're constantly trying to produce, and they're constantly trying to keep up with things, their adrenals are running on high, like all the time. So it's wearing out their system from the inside out. Yeah, yeah. And your adrenals are what helps to to produce your hormones. So if that's worn out, then of course, you're not going to be able to be producing the hormones for a sex drive. But even on top of that, what I see is this go, go, go mentality. We, we take that into the bedroom. So now sex becomes something either we have to do and cross off our list, or it becomes something that uh, we have to rush through, or we get in our headspace and we aren't in our body. And none of that is is productive for a happy, healthy, huh, great sex life, like you tell everybody right. to do. Yeah, healthy and horny, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the three of them are so intertwined. And, you know, you, you can't have great sex if you're not happy. You can't have great sex if you're not healthy. So they all really go together, a lot like what you're talking about, your holistic holistic approach, approach. approach to great sex. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you absolutely get into is about what you eat and the nutrition because you have that podcast that deals directly with eat, play, and sex. And that's just so mm-hmm. relevant in today's world. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. What's that? I thought it was you have sex and while you're having sex, you're playing and eating at the same time. So it's not like eating pussy. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly <laughs> that, David. Because I find it very <laughs> playful eating your pussy. <laughs> Hold on, Kat, can you, can, you, can you clarify, please? Oh, absolutely, Dave. And I think, you know, some of us hold that image of what that means. Uh-huh. <laughs> and especially but, the uh, males. The the <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'm, I'm always one up to learning. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so eat, play, sex, uh, eating, because everything that we're consuming, whether it's, it's something that we are eating or whether it's something in our environment, is impacting the internal functioning of our body. Um, so if we don't look at, say, the gut microbiome, you know, and how, the, uh, how our body is absorbing nutrients or even the... The vaginal microbiome, which is all the good bacteria that we have and the pH balance of, of our vulvas. If we don't look at these things and understand that they're all interrelated and, and including lifestyle and stress, um, then we're missing a whole piece. <laughs> and then the play and sex. <laughs> Eat, play, and <laughs> sex, yes. Even my three, le- three words. <laughs> I distracted her. Now she's thinking about someone eating her pussy. <laughs> oh my God, I can't get that image out of my head now. <laughs> but the play aspect lends to the lifestyle. Like I was saying, if we don't play and we're constantly on the go, we're wearing out our whole body and when it's not going to be conducive for good, happy, horny sex life. So playing helps to reduce that, the, stre- the impact of stress on our bodies. Play helps us to build intimacy with our partners. Um, play helps to reduce the performance anxiety that we create when we're in sex. Um, and uh, just overall, 
makes life more enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and all the foods that we eat also affect our sex hormones, not just the whole workings of our body, but specifically the sex hormones as well. Oh my God, for it, for sure, for sure. And it's fascinating because right now we're seeing as a trendy thing, all these superfoods that are out there or all these Ayurvedic practices that uh, or herbs that are like, eat this and it'll make you horny or or take this but we don't understand that that our bodies each individually have a have its own system so in order to properly take these nutrients and use them to the best of our ability, how are we caring for the system first? Are we cleansing it and making it most optimal to be able to utilize those benefits? Or sometimes, you know, some of us are just reading Google and Google's telling us, eat maca because it'll make you horny. And then we take it and our body doesn't, our personal body does not take that very well. And then we might gain weight or we might, you know, have adverse reactions and we're not getting, you know, what Google's telling us. Thank you, Google. You're an amazing. (laughs) Kat, are you finding that people are looking for shortcuts? So, you know, they hear something, they see it online, they do it versus talking to professionals like yourselves. And we've had Dr. Lindsay Berkson and we were just talking about Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce, who actually have done the research and found exactly what you said, that it's not one recipe for everybody out there, but everybody is so busy that the first thing that pops up on page one of Google, they're actually doing without doing more research. Oh, of course. Oh, but of course. Why would somebody want to pay somebody (laughs) to help them out when they can just look it up? Because information is at our fingertips. The unfortunate thing about that is that we're getting inundated with all these articles out there, these blogs that are saying, you know, uh, five steps to you or making her scream with an orgasm and ejaculate across the room. And then we try it. We're like, yes, that's what I want to do. And and then we end up feeling bad about ourselves because our body doesn't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Setting and, up to fail. And we've, we've spoken a lot recently about, you know, sexual health and wellness. And one thing keeps coming back again and again and again is just doing the basics, doing the simple stuff. So we talk about always eating fresh and colorful, staying on the outside of the grocery store, uh, buying all those good healthy things. And, you know, I can't... And, I, and not the processed foods. And not the processed saying. stuff. And doing a bit of exercise and putting time aside for your family. You don't have to go to any of those, you extremes, know, extremes. Right. If you just do a little bit of everything that's good for you, you're going to do well. Yes, and I would love to be able to... I firmly believe that. And I think what you're describing is also a very mindful lifestyle. Are you being mindful of the things that you're consuming or how you're moving about your day? Um, I think a lot of the clients that I get or some of the listeners that I get from my podcast, they are tend to be very healthy people. They just are having even more of a difficulty. And then they're re- listening to the podcast and they're realizing, oh, heavy, fe- heavy metals mm-hmm. in my environment are impacting me you know some of the foods that I'm eating um, or gut health you know looking at um, gluten sensitivity that's or uh, dairy sensitivity and coffee even and how those are creating inflammation in our bodies which impact hormone production sometimes I think it's great to to lead that uh, healthy lifestyle and mindful lifestyle but sometimes we got to look a little bit deeper or question you know what are we creating in our environment right so let's get away from the food and the health and not the health the exercise for a second 
And before mm-hmm. you had mentioned the play, let's talk two minutes about how important it is to stay playful and have fun with your partner and how that adds to the healthiness of a relationship. Yeah. Well, like I said, playfulness counters the effects of stress hormones on the body. If we give ourselves time to, it also builds intimacy. So like how much are we interacting with our partner on a daily basis in a fun, lightful way, light, playful way? Um, I think one thing that I see in couples, especially before they come to see me, is that they're in heavy processing mode all the time. And so all they're talking about is the problems in their relationship or the problems at work or, um, you know, the problems in the family. And they aren't playing they are not having fun they're not enjoying themselves so of course things are going to be way more difficult sexually or you know in the relationship but even in sex like sex doesn't have to be so serious all the time I mean it's great when we can make love and it's super cosmic and and yum but then there's times where you know like I don't know I drop my dildo and then we just start laughing about it or you know maybe we do a a role play and make it light and different and sometimes it's fun to take on a whole nother character in the bedroom to bring these in not only you know changes up the experience but play, what I also see is that, you know, for some of us who might have more difficulty with, say, maintaining erections or having orgasm, play creates time and space for us to build up the arousal to where we, those can be easier, or it can also give us alternatives to um, just having intercourse all the time. Well, well this household, we certainly laugh a whole lot. Living with David, he thinks he's funny. Well, he likes to try to be funny, certainly. Funny. <laughs> and we laugh a whole lot. We tease each other. We banter back and forth. We make fun of each other. We do mm. have fun when we're having sex. Well, uh, and, and you're always smiling because, always. you know, it's been how many years that I've become a vegetarian? <laughs> so, you know, we're talking see, about eating properly. So, you know, I eat pussy all the time. I, that keeps uh. Carol happy. I love that. Hashtag vegetarian. Exactly. Start that mine. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Kat, we're going to ask you to hang on for a sec. We'll remind everybody this is the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Dr. Kat Meyer from sexloveyoga.com. So just stay tuned. We're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor, the Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets, from massage oils to lubes and beyond. We've got your bed covered, so just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. Are listening to the sexy lifestyle with carol and david got a burning question or comment about today's show send an email to ask at carol and and we just might be answering your question next now back to this week's show 
This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carl and David, and today we're talking with Dr. Kat Meyer all about the science of yoga. You know, I've practiced many different types of yoga over the years, and mostly they're physical stretching, breathing, holding poses. And I know those classes are called yoga, but they're not really traditional yoga. I think yoga is really meant to be more of a spiritual practice relating to mindfulness and consciousness and not just an exercise for the body. So let's get into a little bit about the science of yoga and what happens in our body and in our brain while we're practicing that traditional yoga. Yeah, so and I always like to tell people, take yoga and get whatever benefits you can out of it. For some people, it is a very spiritual aspect. Um, for me, it's a it's a spiritual practice. But for some people, they do, they do just want more of the, the physical aspect of it. And that's great because the benefits for the physical are, are outstanding. Uh, what it does physically to our body is that it calms the central nervous system down. You know, if you think about moving through these postures and you're, ta- and you're matching your breath to your body movement, you're... Uh, syncing up that that mind-body connection, but you're also calming the nervous system. So we may go into class and we roll out our mat and we're sitting there like, you know, from anxiety or buzzing from our day. And then to be there and, and regulate the system again is incredible. Uh, it also gets us back into the body from the experience of being in the head. So um, all of a sudden I'm in this this warrior three pose and I don't want to fall over. So I've got to pay attention to how my leg and my foot feels. (laughs) And it also opens the body. It reduces the tension. It increases the blood circulation. Thinking about opening the stretching opens the fascia. So yin yoga is incredible for that because you stay in the poses for five to seven minutes and you really sink into the connective tissues. So you're able to release the toxins that are held there. In regards to spiritual aspects, it gives you something to focus on. It gives you a single thing to focus on and the meditation practice of it instead of our mind being so all over the place it gives us here focus here which we can all benefit from absolutely for sure and you have that tagline that's get embodied and i'm sure it has something Mm. to do with this yoga practice totally i think our whole lives can change when we come down into the body instead of up in the mind like i was saying earlier a lot of people and don't realize that they're not in their body. I think our society has created such a dissociated or disconnected state. So we're walking around, we're walking down the sidewalk, and we're playing out these images, these whole movies in our head that aren't actually in front of us. Now think about if you bring that into the bedroom or if you bring that into your partnership. <laughs> your partner's telling you something. Your partner's you know, trying to get you to, to be with them, be present with them, and you're off somewhere in la-la land. So you think Love people is- are thinking about other things rather than thinking about what they're doing. Right, right, right. Which I think, you know, we have this ability. We have this incredible ability to plan out our futures. We have this incredible ability to imagine. Uh, The the thing is, how much time are you spending there? Oh, right. And not with your partner and not with your friends and your family. You're in your head because and you're not present with what's going on around you. Right. I think there needs to be a balance. Can I spend a certain amount of time in my head and imagining and processing and all these things? And can I also be really present with what's in front of me and, how do you and my get, senses? How do you get people to actually clear their heads? I know you go to a yoga class and your instructor is or is telling you what you're supposed to do. But there's some people, and I won't name her sitting right next to me, her brain <laughs> is on 
all the time. Just, I mean, she's so intelligent and she's, you know, working mm -hmm. on all our stuff that to get her mind clear, we, we, we tried getting her hypnotized <laughs> and all she did was fall asleep. <laughs> and, but, you know, when people come to your classes, how do you make sure that their brains and their minds actually just slow down and focus in on exactly what you want them to focus in on? So first of all, every human has a different process. So I would never like make somebody do something you know, if their system is not ready for that yet. However, the there are, uh, I do a lot of somatic type of therapy. So bringing people to tune into the subtleties, the contractions, the expansions, the tensions, the openness in the body. So whether it's in one of my yoga classes, or whether that's in my session, teaching them that there are all these messages in the body, there's body intelligence. And when we learn how to tune into that, it can really be to our benefit. And so I think some of the things are, are those subtle contractions and expansions. Tuning into the breath, tuning into the physical feelings of holding poses, tuning into even when I do partner yoga, can we feel into our other partner? Can we feel them breathe? And that's a whole nother fun exercise. And so when we're talking, like David re referred to me, when we're talking about getting out of your head during sex, which is really what mm -hmm. I have that difficulty doing because my head is going a mile a minute and, you know, he's ready to go and I'm not quite ready there, uh, which takes women a little bit longer anyways to get re aroused. So uh, I have to really stop what I'm doing and try to focus on what he's doing to me and where he's touching me. And I try to mm. practice that. But Within seconds, I could flip right back into my head again. So do you have like any tips that you tell people on how to keep that focus? Wait, I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of things. One of them is uh, creating rituals. So cre creating rituals before you have sex. And that can be a moment where you uh, sit and eye gaze with your partner. Even eye gazing in the middle of sex or in the middle of orgasm, not only is incredibly hot and arousing, but it's also... Uh, helps you to stay present. Oh, I'm here with them versus sometimes when we close our eyes, we think, which is nice because we, we may feel that we can drop deeper into the sensation of it, but we can also totally disconnect when we close our eyes. I know many times where I'm like, I'm going to close my eyes and just enjoy this. And then I'm often doing, you know, shopping at the grocery store or something. So <laughs> eye gazing and maybe even synchronizing breaths, those are ways if we started a, a ritual like that to start to focus on each other and be present together. Sure. And so that's before. And then you can even talk about maybe any insecurities or, or needs or fears or desires before you have sex. Because sometimes that speaking these things can take them out of the mind. Oh, okay, that's smart. I hadn't mm -hmm. thought of that, but that's a great idea. I like that. And then insects, uh, even sound, making sound. So breathing, deep breathing down into your belly helps to open the body. But then sounds are incredible because it you feel the vibration in the body and that helps to anchor you down into the body. But it also stimulates the, the vagus nerve, <laughs> which helps us with orgasms, um, connects down into your cervix as well. And it's great for communicating whether you're humming or, or going, mm, that feels nice. At least your mm -hmm. partner's getting something from it as well. And that also grounds you and communicates at the same time to your partner that you're enjoying what he's doing. Yeah, and if you want to be playful, you can sing a little tune. <laughs> no singing. Yeah, no singing. No I'm not singing. a good singer. No, no. <laughs> no singing. No, no. David will go, that's not sexy. Sorry, Let's stop God. doing that. <laughs> but, but I have a question because we've, we've spoken to a couple of other people who were talking about eye gazing and stuff like that. However, whenever Carol tries gazing in my eyes, she starts 
I laughing burst out and laughing. So laughing. <laughs> How, is that a good thing or is it something you need to work on to not do? I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. However, uh, what I've seen is a lot of times it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. It is very intimate to look into somebody's eyes and to have them look into yours. It's almost like they're seeing into your soul. And so sometimes we get a little uncomfortable in the body. We feel nervous. What are they seeing? <laughs> and so we might laugh because this is too serious or this uh-huh. might be uh, we don't know what to do in this moment or we want to hide or uh, all kinds of things. Maybe we're just used to being humorous and and to be still and looking at somebody might be in, super intense. Well, I think you actually nailed it on the head. So we're gonna have to work on that little by little. Tonight. <laughs> tonight. Okay, we'll do that tonight. This afternoon. So Kat, besides the yoga that we were just talking about getting back into your body, I know you mentioned earlier that you actually do some energy work. Can you explain how that's different from this spiritual yoga that we're talking about? Sure. So energy work, and I'm specifically trained in Reiki and also the Tantra practice, is based on this notion that everything is made up this of this life force energy. And energy is, everything is created by energy, if we look at it all the way down to the molecules. Um, so this idea is that you, in Reiki, you bring this life force energy through the practitioner and into the body, a uh, specific body area of the receiver in order to balance out the energy through their body, making it more susceptible for their own healing and optimal functioning. Is this a one-on-one practice? It can be one-on-one. It can also be a group practice. Um, I've also done distance healing um, where I'll speak with somebody on the phone and and set up a little little, um, practice and do healing over on the other side of the country. Is it physical healing or is it? Um, like mental we look at things like I was saying holistically earlier um, that mental emotional and physical all interrelate so say we have a stressor a mental stressor and that shows up in the body you know where adrenals might be non-functioning or we may get stomach issues or digestive issues leaky gut kind of thing the same goes with energy so the belief in energy work is that uh, where there is a lower functioning in a certain part of the body um, there is a low amount of, of energy optimization there as well uh, we also talk about the chakra system which is actually scientifically associated with the endocrine system, which is the production of our hormones. So if we align each of those chakras with, um, in this practice with the, the endocrine system, so is that functioning optimally or is it under-functioning and how that shows up in our emotional space and, and including our mental and, and behavioral. So does the person who's ailing or needs healing, do they manifest the energy from the practitioner so they are they bring it in themselves or does literally the practitioner force it onto them? I wouldn't necessarily use the word force. I would say it is passed through. So the practitioner is more of like a conduit. So it moves in through the practitioner and typically out through the hands, uh, hovering over whatever place is in need of that help. Um, We always work with somebody who asks for this help. So I never um, impose my work on anybody or say, hey, you need healing. I'm going to give it to you whether you like it or not. Right. Uh, (laughs) Everybody is in their own process. And sometimes if you try to do that and and you work on somebody and all of a sudden they're feeling better, but they don't know what 
and help them to feel better, then they're just going to shift right back into the old patterning that that brought them there. Right, exactly. And I think that's a big part of it too. Like our lifestyle and our behaviors keep us in health. So we may do a balance, a, a Reiki balancing, but if you're not doing the things in order to keep you in balance, then you're just going to shift and have the same symptoms that you started with. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right, let's get to one of my favorite subjects, which is being naked. Let's talk about naked yoga. And does, <laughs> does it add to intimacy? Does it change how you um, have people you know, get into their body and their soul if they're doing it naked? I would say, of course. <laughs> I would say, you know, there's so much vulnerability in being naked. A lot of us may have trouble with being naked in front of somebody else. So there's a huge opportunity for intimacy there. Um, it can also be super playful. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get naked, I'm, you know, I've done naked yoga and it ends up just being so funny and and playful but it also just I think we can more easily tune into this to our senses in that you know if we remove the clothes the barriers of, of clothing um, now all of a sudden we're highly attuned to the way our partner's skin feels or the way their muscles respond when we're doing yoga with them or if we're doing individual yoga and um, there's just something so freeing about it now how does that compare to when you're doing your tantric teachings. Uh, Sometimes tantric can be closed or unclosed. Is that different Mm -hmm. than doing the naked yoga? Yes, Uh, I would say so. Naked yoga can be any type of traditional or any type of yoga, really, um, that you do naked. (laughs) Tantra, I would say, has more of a, a... Specifically, Tantra sex, because we understand that Tantra is a lifestyle. Um, But Tantra sex is more of utilizing uh, sound, breath, and movement, Um, whether that's with yourself or whether that's with another person. Um, It's a lot of energy movement in the body that you can use and can be playful, also very can be very spiritual. I like the way you keep using the word playful yeah. because that's just just <laughs> what keeps relationships good and fun and happy is whatever you do, if you can play and, and have fun while you're doing it. But when you're talking about tantric sex, mostly pleasurable, not necessarily reaching orgasm. Is that the difference from what I understand? Oh, absolutely. And I think orgasm, as incredible as it is, and I love my orgasm, um, I think it can become such a destination thing. So we're looking for the orgasm, but then we lose all the juicy processes that happen leading up to it. (laughs) And And sex is more than just you know, stick tab A into slot B and, and bang it out and, and fireworks. It's a whole process. It can be simply touching erotic petting. It can be, you know, moving in the body. It can be sound. It can be intercourse. It can be oral. It can be any of these things um, to get the whole, it's the whole thing. It's the whole right. package. It's not a- just one. Absolutely. Now, I know you have a new program out there uh, for couples, which is the Sex Love mm-hmm. Yoga class for couples. What exactly mm-hmm. do you do in that class? So it's a five-week online course for building connection and inti- intimacy within yourself and then between. So it utilizes the traditions of yoga, science, and couples psychology. Um, every week we have a we have lessons um, bringing in yogic traditions, uh, things like Mula Bandha, which is a root lock 
So it's it's also similar but not the same as Kegels, but you're you're drawing the muscles, the PC muscles up and then deep relaxing them down and moving that with the breath to help to increase the awareness of your root. Um, but also helping to strengthen your muscles there. Uh, For men and women. Strengthen your control of muscles. Yes, yes. Emphasis on the deep relaxation there, which is different um, than some kegels. And then also every week we do a partner yoga, an acro yoga, or a Thai massage practice. So you can get that playful interaction with your partner, but you also get embodied, which, you know, like I'm saying here is such a crucial piece that I think a lot of us are missing. Um, there's more than just talk therapy that we can do. It's, you know, we're talking about sex, which are bodies, whether it's one body, two bodies, or many bodies at the same time. It's, can I get inside of that? <laughs> right, exactly. Now, what is acro yoga? You did mention it, just in case people don't understand what it is. Yeah, acro yoga is acro is short for acrobatic yoga. Oh. So it's... <laughs> I'm smiling. Teach yeah. Carol. Teach Carol acrobatic Super yoga. Super <laughs> Okay. So um, acro yoga is typically two people. It can also be a group <laughs> experience, but it's utilizing balance. And mm-hmm. so, so for instance, one person may be on the ground with their feet in the air and the other person is on top of their feet doing different exercises in the air mm-hmm. and balancing and moving with their partner. Sounds like uh, Carol in the ag- middle of an orgy. <laughs> Our favorites are foursomes and morsomes, and uh, we, uh, we we're not doing acrobatics. I don't sometimes think sometimes it's a little acrobatic. Well, maybe you think so, but it not sure really. looks that way. <laughs> Sorry, Kat, go on. <laughs> yeah, which is incredible because it's just a new way to learn how to really trust another person, how to learn to communicate with the other person because the other person doesn't know you're uncomfortable or that you're in pain unless you say something or you ask for your needs. Um, It helps us to recondition ourselves to receiving and giving touch. It helps us to learn how to really surrender into our body. Wow, that sounds awesome. Beautiful. All right, hang on for a second. We're going to take a short break. All right, let's remind everybody this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with the amazing and sexy Dr. Kat Meyer from Sex, Love, and Yoga. When we come back, we'll be getting into some myths about intimacy and open relationships. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This portion of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by Naughty in Orleans, July 25 to 30, 2018. Naughty in Orleans is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. With over a thousand couples, this event is not only a full takeover of one of the French Quarter's biggest hotels, it takes over Bourbon Street too. Right, so join us for a five-day, four-night hotel takeover alternative lifestyle convention. It's a gathering of open-minded couples who are all interested in exploring their sexuality while visiting New Orleans, one of the sexiest cities in America. Check out our website for all the details, thesexylifestyle.com travel and events page. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with Dr. Kat Meyer from sexloveyoga.com and now we're going to get Kat to help us bust some of our myths all about sexual intimacy. 
Each show, we invite our sexpert guest to bust a few sexy fun myths to help us filter through some of that misinformation that we find out there on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex and sexuality. I hope you're up for this, Kat. Ah, I'm ready. Okay. Bring it. So right. tell us if it's a myth or a truth and why or why not. Let's start with number one. Men are generally more sexual than women. <laughs> See, I'm going to say false on that one only because I'm always way more sexual than all of my partners. And I'm actually seeing this to be true and more and more these days, I think, because sexuality is such a multidimensional concept that we need mental, emotional, uh, physical health for all those things. So as we're seeing women becoming more empowered and more um, in tune with their bodies, that we're seeing libidos also increase at the same time. Beautiful. Okay, here's another one. Happy couples have sex daily. I don't know how people even have the time for that. (laughs) (laughs) I got the shit to do. I'm like creating a queendom for myself. So (laughs) Um, I think these days that there's so many different types of relationships, even ones that are long distance, and they're super happy and in love and and, um, incredible. So I wouldn't necessarily say they happen daily. Maybe even a couple of times a week helps to keep some of the relationships on fire. Uh, I think we shame ourselves when we think that happens daily yeah absolutely i think you agree with that my turn a good relationship has no conflict false (laughs) i would say that conflict is a necessary thing for relationships because we're two or more individuals coming together in a relationship that means you have two different two or more different worldviews and we're not going to meet up all the time So if we don't have healthy conflict or healthy disagreements, then how can we co-create a relationship and move forward? Okay, I have an add-on to this one. What about makeup sex? Is it important? Does it have to happen? And can a relationship go on if you never have makeup sex after a fight? Oh, that's, that's hard to say. I mean... I personally love makeup sex. <laughs> I, I think it's important because it brings, sex is such a glue for a relationship. So if you take the time to come back together versus have an argument, come to a decision and then part ways, to me that doesn't make sense. Because it's like, okay, we came together and now we're off on our own trajectory. I like Kat. I really So do. He only, he's only asking you because I don't believe in makeup sex. Not that I don't believe in it, but for me, when we have a fight and then, yes, okay, we agree that I we apologize. And I still need time to cool off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. To me, I can't just totally. jump into bed. So he's asking because he would love to say, hey, we just might made up again. Let, let's go have sex. I'm there. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> let's just, okay, I agree. We, I, we had a mistake. We apologize. But... I'm not ready yet. But couldn't we have a happy medium, like one in two fights that we would have makeup sex? (laughs) You know, it's all about finding that middle place, right? Okay, yes. Yes, honey, sure. (laughs) Oh, I don't think she's sincere about that. I say yes, and he stops asking. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) I think you bring bring up a really good point. I think after arguments, a lot of times we're really contracted in the body. So it takes us a little bit to allow the body to relax and expand again. Yeah, I agree with that. And for him, he's ready for sex at any time. He needs like three seconds (laughs) where I kind of need like sometimes three hours after a fight. So that's why the make. And by then we're not making up anymore because we've already made up. Even if it's three hours later, I say that's not makeup sex. That's just sex. That's how you're rationalizing it. Maybe you need to look at it a different way. (laughs) Okay, well, maybe I will. Look at this healthy. Look at this healthy conflict right here. Right, exactly. (laughs) Maybe we need to like talk to Kat off air and figure out how we can get you to do makeup sex. Okay, no problem. 
Let's oh go back God, to our times. People have, has, have asked me to do that. <laughs> okay, let's See, go back no, to our we're myth. normal people. I'm sure we are. Let's go back to our myth busting. I have myth number four here. It's normal that loving gestures like cuddling and hand holding decrease with time. It doesn't have to be. And that's what I tell people. A lot of times when they start coming to my office, I ask them how often they touch each other. And a lot of times they're like, oh, well, you know, we like kiss before we go to work or that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you, do you hold hands? Do you cuddle? And a lot of times people don't. They're like, oh, that was during our girlfriend, boyfriend days or, you know, earlier on in the relationship. Uh, But it's incredibly important to touch. It builds connection and and lets us know the other person's there. Even touch helps to reduce our stress in our bodies. Um, So if we're not doing that, of course we feel separate from our partner. Of course we get a little more activated more easily. And it does not have to decrease with time. If you make an effort and you want to continue touching your partner just for a good, healthy relationship. (laughs) All right. Now let's get into one that is favorite of ours yeah. and um, we're, we're going to keep this in the context of a couple not a swinging couple so the the myth is good couples have similar sexual preferences and let's tie this into something that you talk about in your workshops is bdsm so one person in the relationship wants it and the other one doesn't yes yes and let me premise this with every single person has a different sexual script, meaning what we see as sex and our preferences and what we understand as sex is developed by everything we've experienced in our lives. So we enter into relationships having that different script from our partner. And uh, we run into this problem of assuming that the other person has the same same. However, most couples don't understand, they don't see that uh, because they're able to co-create a script together earlier on. Um, but sometimes you run into to the experience of one has more of a drastic difference in sex preferences like BDSM, which is what I did my doctoral dissertation about. So being able to understand where these are coming from, you know, how we understand sex um, you can come together and co-create something together uh, in your relationship. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But how the way that you view your partner, the way you view commitment, the way you view intimacy, a lot of couples can have a more vanilla type of sex with their partner because they see their partner as, oh, <laughs> my partner can't really be a dom. <laughs> this isn't going to work out. But I do love the vanilla sex that we have. So some couples are okay with that and some people will engage in the BDSM outside of their relationship. Um, sometimes it's just the the BDSM scenes or play and sometimes it incorporates sex, but it doesn't necessarily have to. And that's on a consensual basis. Absolutely. I think consent and agency and honesty are three of the most important pieces in a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So Mm -hmm. here's myth number six. Romance should come naturally forever. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh because I don't know that it necessarily happens naturally. I, I mean, it does happen naturally, but sometimes we really have to make an effort for it especially like we were saying earlier with all these environmental factors and these lifestyles that we're creating and, and our priorities, there's a lot of things that get in the, in our mind. So we have to make an effort or set our timer on our phone to go off and be like, Hey, send a sexy picture to your wife. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's sometimes we have to remind ourselves or create ourselves, you know, set ourselves up for success. 
Right. And then romance doesn't come naturally, but we can make it happen. Yes. And we say all the time that relationships and marriages are hard work and you have to keep working at them to keep them fresh. Even if they're fun work, it's still work. It's still an effort that has to be placed. You have to think about it. You have to be mindful. We were talking about that earlier. Now, I think we do have time for one more myth. And how about this one then? Sex should be spontaneous. I hate the word should. Uh (laughs) It just, it's such a, uh, that word just contract, makes my whole body contract to it because there's such a pressure for something to, to be a certain way that may or may not be. If if spontaneity is so much fun, but sometimes we have to plan spontaneity (laughs) and not tell our partner that, that it was planned. And then it's exciting when something just happens out of the blue. But like I said, we've got so many things on our mind or we've got mental, emotional, physical factors that are impeding and so we have that are competing with our sex life so sometimes we just have to arrange for it to happen and it's certainly no problem to have planned sexual encounters mm-hmm. it's nothing wrong with it no i love those you- planned encounters that become spontaneous sex <laughs> okay mm-hmm. you do <laughs> does happen we does had happen. that on the coach watching yeah. tv the other night right so we planned to be together and spend some cuddle time but it turned into sex and that was a lot of fun it was so, yes, so those so planned encounters. Yes. Good thing we had our throws of passion blanket on the couch because we made a nice big mess with all that squirt. We sure did. We never worry about it, though. We don't. All right. That was an amazing uh, myth-busting session. Thanks you, Ka- Thank you, Kat, for all your great insights. No, absolutely. Any day. <laughs> so this is a Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And coming up next is our favorite segment of the show, Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. This segment is sponsored by Luxury Lifestyle Vacations and their Alaska Splendor Sexy Cruise, June 17 to 24, 2018. If you're looking for an upscale lifestyle event, join us on the Sexy Cruise aboard the Crystal Symphony Luxury Cruise Ship, departing from Vancouver, BC, cruising deep into the Alaskan interior with the sexy, super sexy team at Luxury Lifestyle Vacations. Yes, Alaska's remote and wondrous landscape is a dream vacation for so many, so why not spend it with other like-minded, sexy, fun friends? Like us. Check out our website for all the details, the sexylifestyle.com, travel and events page, or contact us for more information at ask at carolandavid.com. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolandavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with Dr. Kat Meyer from sexloveyoga.com. And now for our favorite part of the show, where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. You know, we've talked a lot about the swinging lifestyle on the show, well, because we're swingers, and we've talked a lot about open relationships with Jackie and John Melfi from Open Love 101, but we're really interested to hear the point of view of an open-minded doctor, sex therapist, on the viability of an open relationship in today's world. So, Dr. Kat, let's first start with describing what is an open relationship. Sure, and everybody has their own 
uh, their own opportunity to design the exact relationship that they want. But typically an open relationship are partners who are in an established relationship with each other and openly agree to see other people. So they might do this together, they might do this separately, or they might do a combination of both of them. The connections that they make outside of their relationship may or may not be romantic or sexual or emotionally involved. Um, so it's, it's really an umbrella for how they want to design their relationship that is non-monogamous. So how do you uh, describe the difference between what you just said and swinging and polyamory? So usually I describe swinging as singles or couples who engage in social sex. So different kinds of sexual sharing or swapping with one another. With polyamory, typically the I see it as the practice of loving more than one person, um, the practice of loving in many different ways. Typically there's an emotional involvement or they typically view relationships as equals instead of assigning you know primaries or secondaries some some do uh, but a lot of times it's more emphasis on the equality and of everybody involved <laughs> i think i'd like to explore this swinging lifestyle what do you think yeah okay let's give it a try who, should, who can we talk to to learn more i don't know hmm. i don't know we've only been doing it for 10 <laughs> years do you think we've got it down yet i don't know i think so we it's really a big part of our lives and every time we swing it makes our relationship and our couple stronger and stronger so mm. you know anytime a couple or a person goes into any type of relationship, it should make themselves as a person or themselves as couples stronger because, I mean, communication and you were talking respect and trust and all that has to be of the utmost importance. Ah, oh, yes. Now, when we're, let's go back now to open relationships because that's what the topic is here. Uh, what, kind of, um, what kind of mistakes do you think people make when they go into open relationships when they don't really, haven't really had a chance to think it through? Yeah, I would always, ha- I always give my couples a list of questions to, to create self-inquiry. So to understand like what are the intentions behind them creating this. I think some of the common mistakes that, that I'm seeing is that individuals and couples shaming themselves or their partners for having these feelings that are less than desirable, things like jealousy or fear, when we're all humans and we have human experiences and we're going to trigger each other. (laughs) I'm going to get triggered. You're going to trigger, get triggered. We're never going to do it intentionally on each other, uh, but it's going to happen. And how do we move forward from that? So being non-judgmental to the other partner's wishes or needs or desires. Yeah. And how can we expect somebody to just be, oh, we're in an open relationship. Therefore, I cannot get jealous. Therefore, I cannot be scared. I cannot have these feelings. But if we do that, we're just disconnecting from ourselves and our humanness. So it's dealing with those feelings on, I guess, a mature level and talking about them and getting them out in the open and finding out how to work around those feelings. Sure. Absolutely. Another one is the assuming that your needs and your wants are the same as your partner's. I always tell people that uh, we want to look for uh, balance, and balance isn't necessarily going to look same same mm-hmm. <laughs> across the board. But maybe it's going to look at it more as asymmetrical. So my needs may be up here, over looking this way, and your needs will be over here, looking this way. We still have our needs met, and therefore we're in balance. But the moment that we try to project onto the other person, oh, I need this, therefore you also need to be dating somebody over here, we can find ourselves getting in a lot of trouble. Okay, so now your couple has talked about it. They've decided to go forward into this open relationship, whether it's both of them finding an alternative life um, partner or not. Now, 
what do they need to do together to ensure that their, I'm going to call it their primary relationship stays strong and doesn't get broken apart from this open relationship? Three needs that I emphasize greatly, availability, intimacy, and security. Availability is important. Um, are, is our partner there when we need them? Are you, in, and that means if I reach out to you, if I'm having a trouble, will you, will you show up for me? And even emotionally, can you be present with me when I'm going through something? Um, is that, are you actually emotionally available to me? Um, the second one is intimacy. So are you able to share your process and what comes up for you, even if it's less than pretty? You know, is there space for us to be ourselves? Is there space for me to let you see me in all of this? Yeah. <laughs> Into me, you see. <laughs> and then uh, the communication. You know, communication is intimacy. It's also availability, but, but it's intimacy because you're including somebody in on your process. Wow. Um, some some couples believe in transparent communication. Some people don't. Um, it's really up to that particular couple of how much they want to be able to share, and then and the rest of it be a mystery. Um, and then the last one, security. Do I know that you will be here to navigate with me, even th- when things are tra- when things are hard? If we don't feel that we have this this ground to take another step on, then why would we move? You know, there's not. There's not space to to be ourselves in. Um, trust, you know, is part of security. Are your words reliable and consistent in meaning? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and all of that have, sounds great. Yeah, and do we have space to make mistakes and learn with each other? I think that one's huge. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah, that is very, very important. Now, I think it's some time for some real advice right now. What would you say is the top two things that a couple should talk about before they even think about opening up their marriage? Oh my gosh, so many things. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you're already in a relationship, this is a self-inquiry question. Does your desire for others come from a dissatisfaction or an unhappiness within your current relationship? Mm -hmm. Very important. You know, what are your underlying intentions there? What do you want to be creating from this romantic life? And then the other one is really important about What does commitment mean for each of us? Now, of course, we know that logically our partner can choose to leave at any time, but what's making them stay? You know, why are they choosing partnership with us, um, with us in particular? And then even just speaking out loud commitment and what that means gives the other person this image to envision and use for reference, especially during those times where we're just like, "Ah," you know, we're feeling activated. Well, those are very heavy questions that you're going to ask each other, and you really got to get into that. So how do you suggest that couples should begin that conversation? I I think always start, you know, if one person is starting to have those inklings, like, oh, you know, like I'm hearing a lot about open relationships, and yeah, yeah, that's what I want. Um, Self-research, research research as much as you can, you know, reading other books that talk about this, uh, but also self-inquire. Like, understand for yourself where you're coming from before you broach the commu- the conversation. Because if you don't really know where you're coming from or why you want this, um, it's going to make the dis- the discussion way more difficult. Yeah. But then you, how do you know that you're in alignment with yourself and your values and, and, and it's not just something that's trendy that you want to try? 
Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. What a great way to end an amazing show. Dr. Katmeyer, thanks so much for sharing um, all those amazing educational pieces of information and those stories. Uh, why don't you take a minute now to tell everyone how they can reach out to you? Sure. So they can go to my website, sexloveyoga.com, where they can find all of my social media outlets, which is all the same, Sex Love Yoga, one word. Um, they can also check out my podcast, Eat, Play, Sex, on iTunes, Spotify, Google+, iHeartRadio, all the things <laughs> to be able to tune into what we're talking about today. Absolutely. So and just- your uh, re- retreats that you offer, that all the information is there? All of it is on there. Yes, Beautiful. I'm leaving Saturday for my next retreat. Yay! <laughs> All right, Yay. just hang on, hang on a sec. We're learning more and more every week from our fantastic sexpert guests, and we hope you do too. So remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. And to find out more, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, on the radio show guest page and see all our amazing sexpert guests. You can click on the links and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. Kat, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It's been delicious. It has <laughs> absolutely been delicious. We will definitely have you on again in the near future. And thanks everybody out there for listening. Our show is growing more and more every week. We're now over 300,000 listeners in 60 countries. Wow. So remember to sign up on sdc.com for one month free. You can use our promo code 30314. Uh, We have some amazing events and trips coming up. Uh, We're going to be sailing on the Crystal Symphony cruise ship up to Alaska with luxury lifestyle vacations. We can't wait. That's their Alaskan Splendor Lifestyle Cruise, June 17 to 24. And then in July, we're going with SDC to Cap Dag, the naked city in France, from July 2nd to 10th. So join us for this amazing, sexy lifestyle experience. And of course, as the reigning queen and king, uh, we'll be getting naughty at Naughty and Narlins, July 25 to 30, just 2018. And then in December, we're going with SDC once again on their Cuban cruise. Wow, that's going to be fun. For some more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle as we talk with Karen Lee and Cam Potter from Sex Talk with My Mom. (laughs) We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 